0: is real, there's power in your name, we find hope and trust in your ways, we
1: need Jesus is real. You and I, we've been planted by Jesus in this world for this, such a time as this, just like Esther. Do you realize that you're in exactly where God wants you to be right now to do what he wants you to do? So often we're so busy wishing we were somewhere else, doing something else. What I am constantly learning is the Lord is saying, Daniel, there's so much that I wanna do in your life and I have to use this to get you there.
0: You're here right where you are for a reason. God hasn't accidentally forgotten about you along the way. He has a distinct purpose for your circumstances. Today, Pastor Daniel will be encouraging you to continue walking with the Lord, no matter where your life is leading right now. He has a plan, and it's likely what you're enduring is molding you and preparing you for what's to come. Lean on Jesus. He knows the whole picture. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 13 as he continues his message, good and bad.
1: Planting you is purposeful. It's not happenstance. He's not just like doing things randomly. You're planted by divine design. And when you begin to realize that, now all of a sudden you begin to appropriate the purposes that God has for you. See, what happens oftentimes, and we're going to see how this works with the wheat and the tares, is that what Satan wants to do is he wants to knock you off of understanding who you really are right and so there's many of us right now and I think it's appropriate for a lot of us that you think that all that's going on is purposeless and I'm here to tell you if you believe that your experience right now is purposeless it's because you're not trusting the good God who planted you right where you are the situations that you find yourself in those are purposeful as well Now, they're not all pleasurable, but they do have value and purpose impregnated within the experiences. If you realize that God has ordained all of this, and I'm here to tell you that God has ordained you. Now, there's some of you here right now, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, God's ordained you too. All that you are, the gifts, the talents, the struggles, the history, the destiny, all of it, God wants you to see as, I want to drive this thing. But here's the thing. If you don't put your faith and trust in Jesus, you will drive it, but you will drive it into destruction. The only difference is, is who's driving? But listen, you and I, we've been planted by Jesus in this world for this, such a time as this. Just like Esther. Do you realize that you're in exactly where God wants you to be right now to do what he wants you to do? So often we're so busy wishing we were somewhere else, doing something else. What I am constantly learning is the Lord is saying, Daniel, there's so much that I want to do in your life, and I have to use this to get you there. And so often I just want to be somewhere else. I want to do something else. I want to have another set of circumstances. The Lord's like, Daniel... This is the perfect environment for me to do what I want you, to do in you. And that's where trust comes in, doesn't it? That's where faith comes in. I'm not saying I always get it right. And God knows I can be a, a pretty complainy child sometimes. And I kind of get the sense I might be in good company here at Crossroads. You know? But Jesus has planted you in this world. He's got a purpose and a plan. But I want you also to notice that... By the time you get to verse 38. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is at the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Now guess what? The enemy has plans also. The enemy has plans also. See the parable of the wheat and the tares. There is this man who sows his field. And he sows wheat. And he knows that wheat is going to bear fruit. But while everyone's sleeping. The enemy comes in stealthily, and instead of just letting what was planted, he plants all these tares, right? And so what you have to realize is that not only in this world has God planted his own children, but the enemy has also planted his own children, right? So the enemy's got plans also, and he's doing it by stealth. Now, here's the thing that I want to tell you, that not only is this true of The world as a whole, but it's also true of your life in particular and mine as well. See, what I realize is that God has got a plan for my life and the enemy has a plan for my life as well. God has a plan for my marriage, and the enemy's got a plan for my marriage as well. God has a plan for you in your singleness as he did for me, but the enemy has plans in our singleness as well. God has a plan for you on your job, but the enemy also has a plan for you on your job. God has a plan for you with your lack of job, but the enemy also has a plan for you on your lack of job. God has a plan for you in your retirement, and the enemy has a plan for you in your retirement. Now here's the question. Whose plan are you living out right now? Whose plan are you living out right now? Because here's the thing. Just as the man who owns the field, all he wants is for that field to be fruitful, and the enemy of the man who owns the field, all he wants is for that field to be unfruitful. And that is absolutely true for the world as a whole and us in particular. All the enemy wants is for you to be unfruitful in your walk. And he does it by sowing other things in the soil. Instead of it just being the good seed of the word of God, there's all the garbage you got from your parents and all the garbage that our culture tells us and all the things that someone along the way did wrong that keeps you bound and all these different things. And then what happens is is that when the normal course of events go on, all of these things get watered. And what we find in the parable is that the wheat comes up, but also the junk comes up too. And that's true for all of our lives. Right? There's fruitful stuff going on, and then there's a whole bunch of other junk going on. Listen to what Jesus said to Simon Peter. This is Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. But when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And he, speaking of Jesus, said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. See, Jesus is trying to warn Simon. He's saying, listen, Satan's got a plan for you, Simon. He wants to harvest you like we, but I prayed for you. And when you go away, when you come back strengthened, he's like, he's telling him exactly what's going to happen. And and what's Peter's fault? Peter's presumptuous. Peter says, Oh, no, 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 come on. I'm ready to die for you, Jesus. And he's like, Man, surely I say to you, you're not even going to make it through the next day before denying me. See, here's the thing this is a cultural problem. And I say a culture about, I mean, it's like a the day and age in which we live is too, we're so presumptuous that Satan isn't trying to work something over on us. See, our culture is too sophisticated to believe in the spiritual realm, the realm where the real battle's taking place, that we see the manifestation of it right here and now. If you read commentaries of Bible teachers from previous generations, they would talk about Satan a lot, but not in this generation. It's almost like, I've never seen it. We have an evidentiary view of information. And because we've never seen it, it doesn't exist. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus tells us that it exists so that we know that it does. There is a spiritual battle going on in this world that presses into the physical world. There is a spiritual battle going on for you and the fruitfulness of your life. I'm not trying to scare you. I've never seen Satan. I've never seen a demon, at least not in real time. But that doesn't mean that it's not true and it's not real. See, in Job chapter one, the Lord was boasting in Job and Satan hears it. And he's like, you know, have you considered my servant Job? Like God's like bragging on his boy. Like my man Job, look at him go. I mean, I don't think of God being like a, a grandparent bragging on their grandkids, Right. I always think about that because my grandma, who I love so much, she just brags on all of us. So sometimes she'll be bragging. I wish my grandma could be here. You guys would love Anita and Anthony. They're the cutest. Grandma's 91, right? I remember sometimes she'll be bragging on us to my dad. And my dad will be like, man, the way you talk about Daniel, it's like he's a saint. He never did anything wrong. She's like, my dad, never did anything wrong. <laughs> and when that happens, I look at my dad and I wink at him. You know, now I love my grandma, right? Now I've done a lot wrong, but God brags on us and he knows everything about us because he loves seeing how we grow, he loves seeing what we do. But you know what Satan says to God about Job? He's like, Yeah, I've studied him. And literally, if you look at that word in the Hebrew, rabbis tell us that it literally means I've plotted a military strategy against Job. Now, do you realize that Satan's done the same thing for you too? If you're born again, if you're a follower of Jesus, Satan's like, man, I got a strategy against that person. I know if I do this thing, this thing, this thing, if this thing happens, if I can get someone to cast a little doubt right here, before you know it, this person who God could use powerfully is going to be in a gutter, in the bottom of a bottle. I know that this person who had such ability to have such an impact on so many people is going to get self-focused, self-centered, and end up on the shelf. See, you have to realize that it's not all roses in the kingdom of God. I mean, it is in the God's kingdom, but we live in God's kingdom here in this world where there is a collision course between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the evil one. And the kingdom of God wants to be fruitful, and the kingdom of the evil one wants to steal that fruit, wants to poison your well. I was just talking to a friend of mine. He said something so beautiful. I wrote it down. I've been meditating on it every day. He said, listen, he said, your family is like a freshwater lake. And he's like, and the key for you as a dad and a husband is to never put anything in it to pollute that lake. And I thought, I'm like, wow, that's so good. He's like, with those kids, your kids, that's a beautiful freshwater lake that you jump in, it's refreshing, it's beautiful. But whatever you do, don't pollute that lake with all the garbage. I started thinking, man, that's true for life. That's true for church. That's true for everything. God, it's beautiful. It's, it's fresh water. It's refreshing. But we gotta be careful that we're not polluting that stuff. And I'm here to tell you, you know all Satan wants? All he wants is your life not to be a freshwater lake. That's all he wants. He's like, if I can pollute you with a little bit of selfishness, if I can pollute you with a little bit of sin, a little bit of rebellion against God, if I can do anything to get you a little bit off, I know I'm going to make what is supposed to be nourishing and refreshing. I'm going to break it. And that's what this parable is about. See, this the reason this world is busted is it's not only the children of God walking in the ways of Jesus. There are all sorts of things going on. There are wheat and tares going at the same time. I remember the service came and they said, hey, so what should we do? Should we pull up the tares? And the owner's like, no, no, no. Let them all grow together. Because I don't want you to pull up the tares and I don't want you to get the wheat too. Do so you want to know why horrible things happen? Because we're living in a field that's got a mixture. And the reason God doesn't eradicate it right now is he knows that if he does that, some people who are not yet there will be lost. So it's not time yet. And he goes on, he says, that the harvest, of course, is the end of the age and and the reapers are the angels. Now, going forward from there, what we really realize is that judgment is coming. Judgment's coming. That's what this parable teaches us. Notice, the enemy who sowed them, verse 39, is the devil, the harvest at the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burn in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So judgment is coming. There's a day that's going to come when Jesus comes back, that he's going to send all the angels out, and they are going to harvest the entire field. Now notice, in his kingdom, anything that is offensive. So what do you realize is that right now, we live in this world, but this is still the kingdom of Jesus. Because even though Jesus, in its fulfillment, is not reigning here in a physical way, it's still his kingdom. And anything that's broken here, Jesus brings judgment upon Now, I realize this might be the least popular teaching in 21st century America. That doesn't make it any less true. I don't believe in the judgment because I want to see people judge. I believe in the judgment because Jesus said it was so. And he didn't just say it one time, like here in a story. Because listen to Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to read a long passage, verses 31 to 46. And these are the words of Jesus. He says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, put the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on the right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. And I was sick, and you visited me. And I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then he will say also to those on the left hand, depart from me. You cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in into eternal fire. Now, hear what Jesus says here. It's totally mind-boggling that he talks this way. He says, look, when I come back, I'm gonna, everyone's gonna come, all nations. Not, he's talking to the children of Israel. All nations are gonna come, and I'm gonna divide them up as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. On the right hand, the sheep, and on the goats. And to the one on the right hand, the sheep, those who are truly his, he says, listen, welcome into heaven. And then he says to them, because when I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And when I was naked, you put clothes on me. And when I was in prison, you came and visited me. And they're like, uh, when do we do that? <laughs> like, Lord, when do we do that to you? He's like, well, if you did it to my people, you did it to me. And then the other side, he says, you know, you guys, you're going into everlasting punishment. Because when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. And I was thirsty, he didn't give me something to drink. And when I was naked, he didn't give me clothes. Well, oh, and then they're of Well, Lord, if we would have known it was you, we would have done it. So when do we not do that? He's like, If you didn't do it to the least of my kids, you didn't do it to me. Now, do you ever realize how staggering this is? Because look, we believe the Bible. We believe that we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Isn't it true? We all know Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. See, so that's how you get saved. No one gets saved because you give school supplies to our community. Nobody gets saved because we take a mission trip. No one gets saved because you donated for the generator project that we did in Lebanon. Nobody gets saved because you're a good mom or a good dad or a good child. No one gets saved by anything. We're saved by grace through faith apart from works. But when Jesus judges them, he judges them on the things that they did. Why? Because real biblical faith Lives itself out in the real world. So I love this kind of stuff because one of the things I love is, you know, and haters are gonna hate, 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 according to Taylor Swift. (laughs) You know, but people they say, Oh, you're crossroads, you believe people are saved by works. It's like, no, I believe that when you're saved, you act differently than if you weren't. That's what I believe. See, if you're saved and you see someone hungry, you want to feed them because you want to do unto others as Jesus would have done to you. And Jesus died because I needed him to die for me. And so you respond to God's grace by living differently. Right? You don't have to do it. You don't think I'm standing on this. You do this because the gospel of Jesus has radical implications how you live. Now, there are all sorts of Christians who say, I believe in faith apart from work, so I'm not going to do anything to preach at you. And I'm like... Jesus didn't do that. Jesus preached and died on the cross. The apostles believed in grace and they helped each other out. And that's the good news of the gospel. See, for you and I, my friends, listen, you got to ask yourself that because judgment is coming, are you not only believing in Jesus, but are you letting your faith in Jesus come to bear on the way that you live? And listen, we realize that fruit is born in it's time. But what you'll notice here at Crossroads is that we're always giving you an opportunity to step in a little deeper. Like the school supply drive. We believe it's really easy for us to put together a thousand bags of school supplies. Just given the size of who we are. But that's just one third of our gathered together congregation just in our Vancouver campus. One third of us doing that. And then like say we have connect and serve. It's like, because we believe in a family faithfully engaged. We have this thing. We have mission trips. We have this. Hey, come and join us with this. Come and join us with this. So you got to ask yourself, are you letting your faith come to bear on the way that you live? Because the way of the world, it's, you don't have to do that for them. That's their problem. You have to look out for you. But guess what? That's not biblical faith. Remember when Cain killed his brother Abel? When the Lord came looking, he said, hey, Cain, where's your brother Abel? And what was Cain's response? What, am I my brother's keeper? You know what the answer to that question is? is, Yes, you absolutely are. You are. You're your brother's keeper. And guess what? That's true for all of us. See, because there's coming a day when Jesus is gonna sit down and all of our lives are gonna be opened up, we start to say, Lord, I wanna live like I believe in Jesus. I wanna live right now that when people look upon my life, they see a different type of a life. And they say, why are you like that? You say, well, I'm following Jesus. And I believe in a savior who was willing to die on a cross for me. So it's really a small thing for me to take up my time and help. It's a small thing. Jesus doesn't ask me to give up my life like he did. He's just asking me to live self-sacrificially in this way. So Listen. When you believe in Jesus, he changes your life. So like, if you were angry when you got saved, God is going to work on your anger until you're not angry anymore. Nothing worse when I see a Christian who they were angry before and then they're still super angry, but and they're angry because you're not holy. I'm like, but you're angry, so you're so holy, you know? So it's so ironic to me. It's like, okay, so like, I'm unholy, but you're like calling people names. Okay, you're very mature right now, you know? But what happens is is it's so common to believe in Jesus and not let the Spirit of God bring your belief in Jesus to bear on how you live in the real world every day. And we actually believe stuff like what Jesus just said. And our faith, our works show that we believe. God knows that we believe, but our works show that we believe. I mean, isn't that the book of James? Some reformers wanted the book of James thrown out. He's like, faith without works were dead. I'll show you my faith, what? By my works. I'll show you what, and I'll be here to tell you, how you live shows what you really believe.
0: Jesus is real. You can say that you believe in Jesus, but how will anyone know if it's true? In today's message, Pastor Daniel shared that it's by what you do that your faith is known. Your actions display who you follow. If you're not living for Jesus in all that you do, how will anyone believe that he's the way, the truth, and the life they need? You do get to choose how you live, but your choices will reflect who truly has control over your heart.
1: Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ.
0: Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, pastor daniel shares a simple two-minute message in this message pastor daniel draws out an important biblical truth really helps set your day on the right path so be sure to follow pastor daniel fusco on facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family place a marker in your bibles and join us next time as pastor daniel shares the story of the prodigal son You likely have a familiarity with this story of a son squandering all he had and returning to his father in humility. But Pastor Daniel has another side to share. Jesus had a way of subtly sharing a deeper truth in his parables, so be sure to tune in again to discover more of what your Savior has to teach you. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.